Hello to our wonderful audience. It's number 27 of The Media Beat. I am your host, Oliver Turnbull, and with me, two of the most proficient, I would say, commentators on the world of media. Uh, Claire Tavernier, I will introduce first, a long-time commentator, high-level executive in many media organisations and a consultant to the industry. Hello, Claire. How are you today? Hi, Oliver. How are you? Uh, yeah, good, actually. Uh, another long weekend. It seems like we're having more long weekends than not, which uh, can't be a bad thing. And, of course, I introduce my colleague from Arthur D. Little, uh, Maureen Kerr. She is uh, the head of the media practice globally within Arthur D. Little, as our regular listeners will know. Maureen, hello. How are you today? I'm very well, Oliver. Nice to be here today. Yeah, always, as always. Now, no more guessing for me. There's loads to get through. There always is, but um, we have uh, an enormous amount of material this week to get through. So let's crack on. We are, well, we've talked about it a lot, but a lot's happening. So we're going to talk about streaming for a while. Uh, into the world of streaming, lots going on there. Uh, Maureen, I think maybe you'll um, you'll you'll be best place to uh, kick us off. I know there's some rumours around Hulu, Disney results are out. Um, is this the farewell to big spending on TV? Maureen, what on earth has been going on? Yes, so uh, we have seen in the last week or two a lot of news around uh, the house of the mouse, and uh, uh, that is Disney. Um, and, and really sort of Bob Iger showing his colours in terms of uh, what he's supposed to be doing, you know, in this sort of first year of two um, as we've been logging um, of his uh, CEO stewardship of the House of the Mouse. So uh, really, really clear guidance in terms of their focus on uh, on, on streaming, on Disney+, Plus, uh, their investment program, uh, and, and, and of course, on their investment, investment program. And I emphasize investment and investment because uh, they are indeed, uh, when we think about Hulu, uh, um, are obligated contractually to consider uh, the option of acquiring um, the rest of Hulu from Comcast uh, in 2024. So all of the restructuring at Disney, all of the investments programs um, need to be taken into, into consideration for the next two, three, four, five years. So rumours are afoot in terms, of, uh, in terms of Hulu. It looks like Bob Iger is either playing good M&A tactics or he's flip-flopping. Um, he's been um, saying, yes, of course, I will make sure that I consolidate my investment in Hulu. And then he needs to figure out what does it mean in terms of Hulu, Hulu content and Hulu and Disney Plus as streaming services. A lot to consider in terms of uh, investment going forward. And Hulu is not cheap. So uh, he's and he also needs to position what does it mean in, in, in terms of market value? So it can be sold to others or he needs to fulfill his commitment to buying out Comcast. I'm sure Comcast would welcome the fact that they sell uh, their interests so that they can pocket some money to invest in their own business, um, which is which is doing OK in some districts and, 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 and not in, in others. And in particular, I know it's quite challenging um, in, in Europe for Comcast, notably Sky and NBCU. So back to Disney results. Yeah, as 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 we've been monitoring, um, doing extremely well on the parks and recreation. Everyone wants to go back to Disney, Disney, Disney parks. That's doing brilliantly. But as we noted early on in the year, um, they are definitely focusing in on content and on the Disney Plus program and whether or not 
you know, their programming around um, the advertising platform is going in the direction that they want, um, given that they now have put in place an advertising funded portion to the Disney Plus. Now, the results look pretty um, uh, okay. Uh, they probably compared to Netflix, which Claire, I know we'll talk about in a bit, um, probably got their pricing uh, positioning well. Um, that said, though, what they have been focused on is rationalizing content spend. Their ARPU at the moment um, isn't that great and it's come off uh, somewhat. We've commented last year on the fact that their ARPU average revenue per user is, is in the sort of low um, five, six because of India's subscriptions, which are considerably lower under under a dollar. So, so they need to seriously think about how they get all the extra revenue from all of their, their users. So, so, so pricing is being looked at carefully. They're now going to try and ensure that they get this avoid, a bigger void between the higher paid uh, non-ad funded platform and then the ad funded platform. So that price range, we're going to start to see Disney Plus being charged more. Um, uh, and then the Disney Plus uh, um, ad funded will be probably at the same pricing. But what is more important for the industry and for us is that we are now starting to see the plateauing and rationaling of content spend so overall spend netflix already came out and said that they're going to be flatlined for 2023 2024 we might see an uptick but they'll wait to see but certainly we're seeing i really take into account you know the 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 the, the, the spend generally the rationalization of costs the layoffs so all of the what we call sgna is truly being looked at with a laser eye and a laser focus so um our pause there but suffice to say I think in as Ender's analysis uh, rightly put out there, we are starting to see perhaps the, the peak at which the TV spend has reached and we'll probably see a, a, a sort of a either a plateauing or certainly a slightly dropping or certainly a reallocation of that spend across the different types of genre and different types of, uh, of content between you know TV and film. So I'll pause there because I, I know that uh, maybe Claire who wants to jump in there and start to, to counter that point with respect to, to what's going on at Netflix, because these two seem to be in some sort of race, an arms race for viewers and for, for the attention economy. Yes. Uh, well, actually, before I did that, I just thought as I was listening uh, to you, Maureen, and as always, you were incredibly clear and detailed. I, I just wondered if some people don't know what Hulu is. Do you think that's possible? Should we explain it? Just in case. Oh, please. Uh, I, Hulu is a... <laughs> Well, it's a U.S. joint venture. So in 2007, a number of big U.S. Uh, TV channels broadcasters got together and jointly created Hulu, which was, which was meant to be the uh, ad-funded streaming service that would that would be like, I guess, if you're based in the U.K., the BBC iPlayer, but, but federating more than more than one channel. It went through a very checkered history uh, and. Uh, various levels of success and is now majoritarily owned by Disney, uh, who, who still puts a lot of its content on it, uh, and but has a minority share by Comcast, which came from their acquisition of NBC Universal. And there is a, as, as you said, um, as you said, Maureen, there is, uh, Disney has to decide whether they want to buy that minority share. It's quite soon. And there are various rules around it. Um, 
it's been a bit complicated with Disney to manage both Hulu and Disney Plus at the same time. On the other hand, they've clearly learned a lot from Hulu when they launched Disney Plus globally. So it's been also quite a good learning experience for them. And you could see the value in, in, in potentially merging the two. Hulu is also... Ad, well, it now has a premium, a premium, a no ad version, but it was very much originally an ad funded model, which again was quite helpful to Disney as they launched their advertising tier on Disney Plus, even though obviously the ad funded was only in the US. So that's Hulu. I just thought I would explain. <laughs> I'm being the raw steward to your Alice the Campbell. <laughs> Forgotten that uh, actually, there there is a quite complicated. Maybe the UK audience does not know about how Hulu came about and the genesis of Hulu. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, various parties came together, and of course Fox sold uh, sold its interest as part of the acquisition. Uh, you got Comcast, so they're really now two major players. And yeah, Comcast only owns thirty three percent now, so a third of of Hulu. And there was contractual contractual obligation for a put and call option that 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 can be exercised um, next year. In fact, it is twenty twenty four. So Bob Iger needs to make a decision uh, uh, very soon, very very soon. And he he's either flip flopping uh, or 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 or, uh, or playing some sort of you know mergers and acquisitions tactics. Yeah. Uh, which is, uh, I'm not yeah, sure if I'm I, buy, shall I buy, shall I not buy, shall I buy, shall I buy? <laughs> uh, so, do we so, seriously think it's not going one. to buy? I think it's very unlikely. I think it's, um, this is going slightly, I, I am going to talk about Netflix, but it's interesting that Comcast, I think, clearly think that uh, Disney is going to buy because they've been making significant moves in the streaming world themselves. So they launched Peacock, obviously, which is launched in the US first and now is in the UK and in various other countries. But last was it this week? In fact, they, they also announced that they were launching a version of Now TV, a bundled ad-funded streaming service in the US, which bundled a number of other platforms. So they're, they're investing in their own bundled offer um, of streaming channels and fast channels. Uh, and so I think they're, they're moving on from Hulu and looking for, for the future without Hulu. That being said, obviously, there's still an uncertainty about what, what IGA will do. I don't know if there's a really strong long-term future for Hulu if Disney doesn't buy. I'd be very mindful of what I wouldn't necessarily want to be an employee of Hulu if that happened. But we shall see. In the meantime, Netflix is also in the news. Interestingly, you said that there was an arms race between Disney and Netflix, and of course it's true. But it's also interesting that when Disney uh, when Disney puts puts in good results around their ad funded tier that has a positive impact on Netflix, which I think is quite interesting. So they're both of them together are creating this new market, streaming, ad funded streaming, various things. And Disney and Netflix have published numbers around their ad funded. Netflix numbers are kind of vague, if I'm honest, uh, and also uh, quite low still. But Disney's numbers, especially in the US, are pretty uh, are pretty good. And so I think... And that's, that's had a positive impact on Netflix share price because people are thinking, well, there is a market there. Netflix is going to crack it. It's just a matter of time. We believe in them. So that's good news for Netflix. Uh, although they still have a lot of work to do, and it's interesting to see how much. But this is, this is one area where it seems that, Net, that Disney has really taken the lead. Not surprisingly, they definitely have much more experience in, in ad-funded both on their TV channel, but also on Hulu. So it's not entirely surprising that, they, that they're moving faster. But Netflix has some, some ground to recover. Netflix this, this week has uh, made a big announcement that this is it. They are now cracking down on password sharing. It's happening. 
which uh, apparently 100 million people around the world share a Netflix, Netflix password, which is a lot. And we're, it's not entirely clear yet what's going to happen. There have been emails sent to people in the US and in the UK. They've tried a lot of this in Canada. So a lot of people have been watching what's happening in Canada. Uh, people are getting alerts from their service saying they're going to be disconnected if they don't share the same IP address or don't seem to be in the same household, etc. Um, interestingly, there are a few commentators that I've noticed that they are cracking down much less on those people who have subscribed to the ad-funded tier as they are on those people who are on the premium tier. Because obviously, if you're an ad-funded tier, well, it might not be such a bad thing if more people are watching your, your account. And in fact, the early numbers uh, of ad-funded uh, ad tier on Netflix show that the ARPU, the average revenue per user on the ad-funded, is higher than the subscription-funded one. So it's to their advantage to have more users on the ad-funded tier, but they are going to start cracking down on the premium tier. Uh, I haven't received anything. I don't know if you guys have received anything. Obviously, I would never share any password with anyone. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, I, I, I have and I've taken action because I wanted to see what the process <gasps> was like. So last night, and? I I was told that I needed to verify that it is my household. Is this the household uh, that I want to uh, uh, say that it's my main household? And then I said qualified and said yes. Um, I then went and looked at my package to see to remind myself what is it that I did acquire uh, what am I subscribing to so I've got the ultra HD uh, on any device so I've got the sort of the, the maximum 15 pounds 99 and if I recall I thought that was a family membership but clearly it isn't it just means I can watch it on any device so um, I then went in and I tested it today to see what can I do what other options can I do if somebody is also in a different household um, a family member, for example, if they are using it. And what you can do is buy an extra member. So it gives you this option to buy an extra member at the lowest price point, but they get the benefits of the full subscription package. So, for example, you pay for an extra member at 4 and they get full Ultra HD uh, One Device Plus, and then they have their own separate profile, and it looks like they have their own account. So interestingly, the full subscriber is now subsidizing that lower end for an extra member. So I think that's an actually really interesting pricing model. So um, tested it, looked at it. Well, it whether or not it'll, so it'll attract a certain number, I think, of, of, of subscribers. But as you say, if that is uh, that's not going to be a burden for the ad funded um, subscription model. And that's really where they want traction. So the whole point of this is really push that ad funded and I think this is going to be an accelerant or a catalyst for the ad funded um, side of, of things but Oliver I think you've probably got something to say about that well I'm just going to warn Claire then therefore that we should be expecting some uh, whatsapp messages or emails from our children around the country and globe saying oh Netflix isn't working but anyway yes I well suppose... those are still you know domiciled in our house it's going to be interesting yes we have children that have uh, left the home to go study in other places, but are still technically living with us. So that will be that will be the test. Absolutely, I am expecting an irate message message at any point. But we shall we shall see. There's also the problem of second home. We have recently learned that Oliver is going to spend the summer in a camper van in France, and I don't know whether that will do to his uh, Netflix subscription. If I'm honest, we're I'm slightly worried. What are you going to do? You yeah. can't get Netflix. Yeah. Oh, and marriage. But basically, as well. it's, it's make or break for both Netflix and our marriage. But, 
<laughs> no pressure there, Oliver. No pressure there. I think basically Netflix will be responsible for the failure of your marriage if they crack down on your password while you're in France in the camper van. That's yeah. how I look at it. Inextricably. Uh, the funny, yeah. funny last word on Netflix and password sharing before we move on. Uh, Prime Video has been taking the Mickey because in 2017 Netflix tweeted, "Love is sharing a password." which obviously, you know, at the time it probably was, but it isn't really anymore for them. And so uh, Prime, Amazon Prime, yes, they retweeted that 2017 um, tweet that they probably saved up and, uh, and made some sort of snarky comment, which good for them. Why not? Claire, you, um, yeah, explain to us, what is um, the Zaslav bundle strategy? Interesting. So David Zaslav, uh, the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, and that we've mentioned several times in the podcast, David Zaslav actually made his name and his fortune in the early days of cable, or the, not maybe the early days, but the, the days of cable in the US when he started bundling cable channels to offer people packages. So you could buy sports packages where you'd have 10 different sports channels or a movie package, etc. And he's come out and said, this is what needs to happen in streaming. And it's a very interesting thought, not entirely new, but nobody had come out and said it. People are multiplying individual subscriptions. It's unsustainable. What we need to do is bundle. We need to work together as an industry to start bundling services that will uh, cater to people's preferences and needs in the same way that the cable industry ended up bundling. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was, it was, a, I don't know what will happen, but it was a little bit of a uh, call to arms to the probably more the traditional TV players to say, listen, this, this, is, this is what we need to do in order to, to have a real play uh, in the streaming wars. And I, it makes sense. We all know that people are, are tiring of the number of individual subscriptions. We hear a lot about churn. People are cycling subscriptions, etc. And, and this is what was happening in cable as well, which is why the body strategy came up. So, oh, yeah, just an interesting thought. I don't know what you thought, Maureen. Yeah, and it tends to be the way if there's a saturation in the market, there's oversupply, um, you can only go so far in terms of, um, you know, a pricing strategy around that. And nobody wants to go too low. Um, and where consumers start to get too much of a, of a, of a choice, but then they're confused, uh, you then start to re-aggregate. And that's the whole point of consolidation. And therein lies the sort of bundling strategy. So you make things simpler. So aggregation becomes, you know, a really good proposition. And hence the reason I think why why, why aggregators like Sky is, uh, is, 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 is in a really strong position generally, because it's remained so far. It's remained as a really good, strong aggregator. So it'll, it'll have all of the big studios, all of the big producers sort of content on its platform and just serves as a distributor. Although that said, there's going to be a really significant question posed at some point uh, to Cecile and to Dana Strong, CEOs respectively of the studios business and of Sky overall, as to their level of investment in originals. So in essence, although they're an aggregator and they're a platform, they're also seen as potentially competition because they're investing in their own content, their own originals. So, yeah, bundling strategy tends to to come out of this sort of, uh, you know, too much choice, want it less confusing, let's aggregate, let's simplify. And I think Zaslov has been through that once or twice before. So I think he's uh, absolutely apt to come out of this time and say that that's probably the, the where we're going in um, at these uh, moments of oversaturation. There's a, another thing that's come out, uh, revenues for YouTube Premium 
uh, that's news. So, uh, yeah, Maureen, what's your comment on that? We have, so Claire and I are trying to get to the bottom of this, um, but back 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 a few day, uh, a few years, years ago, YouTube, of course, tried to put in place a subscription-based uh, premium offering called Red and was able to get to the tune of about a million subscribers um, and uh, really didn't fare well. It had like quite sort of heavyweight executives in place so really didn't really didn't break even so turn that off quite quickly and remain just an ad funded uh, platform um it 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 appears it appears though that youtube are doing much more you know doing a lot more more things and i think trying to justify perhaps a a subscription-based um uh, environment um, and and I think Claire, we, we we sort of was trying to sort of get to the bottom of certain figures that have been floated that the the significant numbers of revenues in the billions uh, that have been attributed to to YouTube revenues. And so we're 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 trying to get under the skin of that. I don't know if any of our listeners can sort of send through any any um, any sources or any good information to support these numbers. But but Claire, I know that you know you've been investigating this to see what that. Uh, level of billions are in terms of premium revenues yes well if you're uh, if you switched on um if you've switched on if you've opened any youtube app on any platform or even your you know on a browser in the last six months you have been pushed youtube premium without ads uh and so that this is there as you as you quite rightly say marine they started with red which was a subscription they started even before that they've, they've been trying to crack subscription for a while subscription and pay-per-view not very successfully, but premium is seems to be their most serious push yet. And they are making it quite uncomfortable for people who don't sign up, as you've noticed. But also they're adding a lot of perks to the premium to the premium world. So for instance, you can download content and there's lot much more long form content on YouTube that you might want to download and watch while you're traveling, for instance. Um, and I'd always assumed, I'm going to be completely honest, that nobody <laughs> could subscribe to premium because my experience with YouTube is that People are very reluctant to pay for it. There's a sort of Google services in general are assumed to be free, and people sort of have a psychological barrier to paying for it, rightly or wrongly. Uh, but there seems to be certainly numbers circulating that that YouTube Premium may be generating up to ten billion dollars of revenues, which is pretty amazing. And in fact. They've also pushed it, you know, with some significant numbers of subscribers. So that's pretty amazing. And we know that YouTube is the biggest streaming service. You know, we talk about Disney and, and Netflix, but in terms of hours watched, YouTube is way ahead of all of these people. So if they can, in fact, crack the crack the subscription model properly, so it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting an interesting thing to watch. This is, uh, they may have released numbers before, but this is the first time I hear some official numbers around YouTube premium. And I was surprised at the at the type of numbers that we were seeing. It's funny, isn't it, how, how users behave? YouTube has always been free. So the, the, the leap that people have to take to pay for it is enormous. It's very, very strange, that psychological barrier. And it must be something they take into account when they're, when they're valuing what they're sitting on. Um, oh, now, the, the next thing was that Samba report uh, you, you shared with us. Now, I find this stuff fascinating because it's all about data. Uh, and I think from my um, layman's interpretation, it's all about trying to optimize the way uh, shows, particularly serial drama and comedy, are released uh, to maximize viewership. So in the old days, of course, if you're watching Steptoe and Son, that's a very UK centric reference uh, or more recently Friends, let's say. You just had to wait or Cheers or, or 
Fraser, you had to wait till the next Friday or Saturday to get the next episode. And now there's all sorts of options. It's like uh, dropping it all together, dropping half and um, keeping half back. Um, what has that report um, told us, Claire, about the way, you know, uh, new stuff is made available to people and how that affects viewing? So basically, there are there are three ways. This is a Samba TV report, uh, and they've been a- analysed a number of, of streaming shows to try and figure out if there were significant differences in in the success of a show, whether it was released for the full season in one go, which happens a lot, for instance, on Netflix, uh, or if they released uh, the episodes weekly, which happens a lot on, for instance, on Disney and on HBO, uh, or if they do something in the middle, which uh, has happened and Netflix is pushing, which is a two-part drop where you do you do a first half, and this is Netflix experimenting with a few other things, and then you sort of wait a few days or a few weeks and you drop the second the second half of the season. Uh, Disney also sometimes does that. And the conclusion is is actually that it doesn't seem to matter that much in the sense that actually in the, the top streaming premieres of 2022 nine were released in bulk eight were released weekly and three were released in two parts drop but that's probably just a fa- factor of the fact that not that many people did it not that it was uh, less successful what what comes out of the report is that you might want to choose a different strategy depending on what your commercial strategy is so the slow the shows that had uh, weekly episodes drops gain viewers over time so people would find out about the show so white lotus is a great example succession is a great example at the moment because you know the this if it's a good show and it's getting word of mouth the word of mouth buzz will grow and grow and grow and so it will get a lift uh, every time and people will go back and watch the episodes from the beginning because they don't want to miss out on the other hand bulk release show we are people are more likely to stick to the end of the season, which is of course a big problem with you know with, with weekly release. People just forget, or they move on to something else, and they just get bored, or you know they have less patience with it if they have to wait every week. So, uh, my view of it is, if I'm thinking, if I'm Netflix, and I'm assuming that I'm the least likely streaming channel to be churned, I'm going to do bulk release shows because I want to maximize. The numbers uh, in in one in one go, and I want the buzz, and I want everybody to be talking about my show, and I want people to stay until the end of the season so that they can say that they love it, and then wait for the next season. If I am HBO, where people may are much more likely to churn and just subscribe when there's something that they like, then I might do a weekly release because you you're keeping people for longer. And I know a lot of people who've subscribed to Sky just to get Succession, and they may unsubscribe when it's finished. But in the meantime, Sky's had three months of revenues rather than the, just the one weekend where everybody uses the free offer to get the numbers. So I think what we're saying is it doesn't, it's not affecting dramatically the viewing numbers, but it is, uh, it, it does have an impact. It, it, it will have a slightly different impact on your commercial strategy. That's interesting, isn't it? So many variables again. That's what makes this stuff so fascinating. Um, we better crack on, actually. We've spent a lot of time, as we would do, uh, because there's so much going on in streaming. Let's move on. Uh, we've got to talk about socials. Uh, we usually do. And um, let's not even um, uh, uh, name 
the person that we're going to talk about uh, in the second bit. Uh, but you can imagine who he is. But first, we, I suppose we can't really have a media podcast without talking about um, about uh, um, Meta and uh, they're being fined. Ma- Maureen is probably is uh, in your wheeled house. So uh, Meta have been fined. Uh, what's happening? Why? Is this the end of Zuckerberg? Probably not. No, it's never going to be the end of Zuckerberg. I think uh, um, it just is is interesting to see that they've been sort of so well behaved over the last uh, couple of uh, <laughs> you know, couple of years. Uh, but no, no. What, what's happened really is uh, the European Union has slapped their wrists to the tune of a of a, of a billion and a bit uh, because they were told uh, not to share. Uh, the European Union members, um, people's data, and in fact, they should be sort of, you know, ring fencing it into in, in the European sort of market. Instead, it's been taken back into the US. So they're not supposed to transfer uh, uh, people's data for privacy reasons across borders, across the pond, um, and they got slap wrist for doing so. So that's uh, that's that slap on the wrist for Meta. Yeah. Nope. But fair summary. Um, OK, so uh, the man who shares his initials with Eric Morecambe, again, terribly UK centric uh, uh, reference uh, in the news again. There is a new CEO at Twitter, Claire. Yes, there is. She, uh, well, Elon, as I like to call him, Elon has uh, hired a lady, uh, Linda Yakarino, a very well-respected NBC Universal uh, advertising guru. Uh, to be the new CEO of, of uh, Twitter. Now, Linda Yakarino, by all accounts, is is a, is a brilliant uh, operator. She's got a great reputation. The, her appointment was very well received um, by by the market. There have been a few comments that uh, have suggested that this is possibly another example of what people call the glass cliff, when you find a woman and you give her a job that's absolutely impossible to do, and then she fails. Sad, you know. Uh, but I don't know. I would. I wouldn't write her off completely. I think she's great. She she didn't have a great start, although it's got, had nothing to do with her. But she was caught in the controversy, of course. Um, our friend Elon decided to launch the, the presidential bid of Ron DeSantis live on Twitter, and that went terribly wrong. Because actually, doing live TV as our friend Christy that we talked about talked to last week will tell you is quite hard and doing live anything is quite hard and Twitter didn't cope very well and it wasn't a very good experience and uh, poor old Linda had to come out and um, and put a brave face on it and explain that it was all the plan from the start and this was all going to be fine which was perhaps not the best place to start but hardly her fault so we shall see what what happens to Twitter. But yes, uh, Elon Musk no longer CEO. So we can talk about it again, and we can talk about Linda. A story which will run and run. I love saying that. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Such such an interesting story. I mean, although he's a very controversial figure, he's fantastic news. So uh, we're probably glad to have him. And talking of news, this is in the news. And we are going to start off with, um, well, Claire. The headline is Kinsel making waves at WMG. Uh, that sounds like, uh, yeah, it sounds like a very reasonable uh, headline. Dive down into the detail for us, please. Yes. So this is WMG, Warner Media Group, not to be confused with WBD, Warner Brothers Discovery. I mean, this is all very, or with WME, we're, we're, well, anyway. So well, this is, uh, Robert Kinsel used to be head of content at YouTube for many years and then was appointed um, at the head of Warner Music Group, big well, music um, label. 
And he, ever since he started, but specifically this week when there was an earnings call, uh, he is making a lot of noise about the um, the payment structure for streaming music. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's been saying this from the beginning. It's not enough money. He wants, on the one hand, uh, I think he wants bigger payouts from Spotify, which is going to be hard because Spotify doesn't have the money to pay more money to music publishers. On the other hand, he's saying Spotify should raise their prices. And it's true that Spotify, compared to other platforms, has not pushed the price up that much. Uh, so he's basically saying this is not sustainable. We need more money. Uh, the artists need more money. The payout structure does not work. So it'll be interesting. It's certainly not a quiet entry into the music market. Uh, he, um, he also, the, what, one of the things he's questioning is that the, 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 every stream on Spotify is valued in exactly the same way. And he says, you know, LeBron James gets paid more, even though he plays the same number of minutes of basketball and as his teammates. And that should be, you know, that, that should be the same for music, which I don't know if it's a directly comparable example, but it's, that's his position. He also talked a little bit about AI and music and, is it like it is it as a huge potential uh, new revenue generator for artists doesn't entirely explain how but it'll be interesting to see what happens so yes robert kinsel making waves at wmg just a opportunity to uh, allow you to say something controversial that's always good because uh, i don't get into trouble um do you actually think he cares about the artists I don't think he's, a, he's not a music guy. I think there are people, just be clear, I think there are people at Warner Music who care passionately about the artist. I think that, you know, anybody who works in a music label, you're going to find people who are absolutely devoted to making the best music with the best artists, etc., etc. Robert Kinsel cares about his shareholders, as he should. That's, you know, those are the paying, people paying his salaries. But yeah, he's not that fussed about that. He wants a bigger payout for Warner Music Group. But but it is possible, if it succeeds, that this will have a beneficial impact. It is probable that this will end up being more money for the artist. That's a great answer. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. That is his job, actually, to be fair. So you're quite right. So, um, right, Maureen, the next story, uh, CNN ratings going down. How do you feel about that? I know you've uh, you've got this thing about the town hall as well that we've talked about before. So how do you feel about um, CNN apparently um, running into slightly stormy waters, maybe? Yeah, and I guess uh, CNN, as, as we've been following, following um, the restructuring of, of the parent company and what's going to go on uh, with respect to Warner Media Discovery. Uh, you know, all of these uh, units are being looked at very carefully. And of course, CNN is a you know, cable, uh, let's say, optimized uh, cable for news. Uh, but it has been trying to play in the big leagues in terms of having, you know, really strong anchors and, and really promoting the fact of it's, uh, uh, let's just say, it's, uh, it's a politically... Uh, not necessarily in favour of certain presidents and the like, you know, and is very liberal minded. But but that said, that said, as part of, I think, we think a, a commercial decision um, to really up the ante on ratings and to really pull in a, a wider base, a wider audience, um, they decided to ask the um, or rather accept um, president, ex-president, but they called him President Trump, who's now uh, one of the major um, running uh, folks for the uh, Republican Party, they decided to uh, invite him to a live town hall. Um, and the anchor, uh, Caitlin Collins, uh, decided to run that uh, particular town hall. And of course, uh, it, 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 uh, it, 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 it 
it attracted a lot of um, a polarised view um, from both the people in the trade, <laughs> so journalists, fellow journalists, uh, and, and, and audiences as to whether this was a good thing or a bad thing. Um, and in the US in particular, there is definitely sort of polarisation of audiences. You've got Fox on one side, you've got MSNBC and CNN on the other side voting or uh, taking a view or listening to certain of the anchors respectively in terms of right and left. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it didn't go down too well um, in terms of um, uh, ratings, we think. Um, it certainly did attract a certain type of audience, both in the live audience as well as outside to CNN. Um, so perhaps, you know, the, the coverage is going to be slightly wider going forward. But it's up to the CEO, Chris Lick, to make a decision as to whether he continues in that vein going forward to uh, to, to at least cover um, one of the uh, presidential candidates that happens to be Trump. So there's always been a controversy since, you know, President was in, uh, so President Trump and Trump was in power, um, how to cover him because he's very noisy, non-PC. He's caused some issues and in particular, you know, something which he's recently been um, prosecuted for, and that's defamation and certain uh, abuses against a certain lady. Uh, he then doubled down on that in the town hall and said that uh, he still agrees that she is crazy and she's a, 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 whack, a wacko, so to speak. So CNN's got to be really careful about its, uh, its, its, its own position from a legal perspective. Uh, as Fox was prosecuted, CNN could be prosecuted. So there's something about going for ratings and there's something about being very careful about how you position your anchors and how you position your topics for ratings. But I'll, I'll stop there. But, yeah, it's been fascinating to see how CNN has taken this, uh, this role on. But it's also interesting because uh, they, they, they did get about 3.3 million viewers for this town hall, which is high, but not that high. Uh, and two nights later, they, they got the lowest, some of the lowest primetime ratings of, of their history, where they ended up even behind Newsmax, which is a sort of far right new fire out uh, news channel uh, with 335,000 viewers which is not a lot uh, so there's clearly and the, you know this the, you you said it you said it perfectly well Maureen he, they were looking for ratings and but it doesn't seem to stuck so I don't know I think there'll be there'll be more to come on this than on the future of news cable news channels which we touched a little bit on uh, last time with Christy that's it thank you both again for unpicking the news, that was the Media Beat News. We're on to lightning fast. Right, first up, and I am going to go to Maureen, uh, Microsoft. Oh, so yes, so we, uh, I think we reported last time around that uh, the acquisition of um, uh, Activision by Microsoft was uh, not approved in the UK, but the land of the European Union approved it. So it means all guns are blazing again for Microsoft. They must be going for a roller coaster. Uh, their heart pounding and their general counsel probably now biting experiences. So anyway, yeah, so back on, back on. So Activision is back on so sony and others will be like oh no <laughs> what are we going to do so yeah that's the okay. news from the european union well, that sounds like two thumbs up uh, pop moji uh, claire are you concurring on that 
Yes, I'm going to go with the roller coaster popmology. Thank you for that inspiration, Maureen. Yeah, it it yeah. has been a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, that would be good news, although it doesn't solve the UK problem, so it might still go down. Uh, for the audio uh, record, uh, Claire went from side to side. I'll stay with you, Claire. Uh, oh, <laughs> yes, TikTok. Banned in Montana. TikTok. Yes, banned in Montana. Some damaging headlines from former, former execs from ByteDance. Uh, not entirely agree. They're on the, I'm going to, I'm sticking with the roller coaster, but this is, this is the way down. They're very much on the way down. Uh, and they've just, they've possibly passed the peak and now are car- cruising down to earth. And I don't know whether there's another bump after that. So that's my, that's my TikTok image. Maureen, you're g- giggling away. <laughs> I love that image. Oh, well, I can think of it's like ski resort and it goes like, Wee! and you wonder if you're going to go off your skis or you're going to carry on up the slope. <laughs> <laughs> ah, nice one. Very nice. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, which a tree, which I tend to do. They kind of magnetic the trees in uh, Norway, uh, Sweden. Uh, the next one is telly. So telly, not as in um, what we used to call television. Uh, and I'm going to stick with Maureen. Uh, telly. So that was the uh, probably needs an explanation. They give out free TVs, right? Yeah. So, so ex Pluto TV uh, founder founded a new company called Telly with a Y. Uh, and they uh, are on this march to give away 55-inch television sets, and it's all ad-funded. So I'm square-eyed thinking, wow, what's going to happen here? So monitoring. I've got monitor specs on, monitoring. Lovely. Interesting. Interesting play. (laughs) They were big enough almost to be VR specs, those. Uh, Claire? Yes! I don't know. It feels like a very expensive strategy it's interesting so whenever you start giving out giving out hardware to sell software or content i'm slightly concerned because i don't know that it necessarily pays off but maybe i'm being a bit too negative so i'm going to go with the the emoji with the with the the mouth across the one that doesn't really know if it's smiling or frowning does that make sense oh yeah. yes yeah. But we, we don't want that on it we want we want yeah. we want you to stick your neck out but i i completely understand yeah yeah well then I, I'm, I'm going thumbs down i don't i don't really believe in that kind of strategy i mean you know it's good for headlines it's not sustainable they'll stop it uh i do like the pluto guys so i'm sure i'm not saying that their thing is not going to work but i'm not think, sure this is the way to get to success didn't sky give away dishes or was that you didn't have to pay for dishes, did you? You got well, the sky true. and then you got a subscription. Yeah. So part of the infrastructure is given away for free. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Nah. So let us see. But good. I got uh, Claire to commit. Well done, me. Uh, oh, here's one. Uh, Spotify AI DJ. Uh, let's stick with Claire. Yes. So Spotify announced that in February, but it's now starting to pull it out, in, at least in beta in the UK and Ireland. You, you, they re, they're basically, you know how Spotify does playlists, they create playlists for you and they just, you know, they've put some AI in the machine that does that. Probably had a little bit of machine learning already, they just made it smarter. It, it, it sounds like something they were doing anyway, but everybody has uh, has AI announcements and so this is an AI announcement for Spotify. I'm excited. I think the Spotify playlists have become more and more targeted and useful actually it's something that they started that wasn't very good and they've refined their algorithm and it's now quite impressively good so i think it makes complete sense to include ai in it uh and i can't wait to see what they will make me listen it just it makes it more of a discovery engine which makes sense 
So, yeah, I like it. Thumbs up. Maureen? Well, I've been spending an hour trying to find it on my Spotify. So it says, and I went for instructions. So I'm like, "Mm, tell me where DJ is or is it just implicit? And I looked, it said, go to your... Go to go to go to your home. Go to music, and then click on the DJ card. And there's no DJ card, so I'm 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 annoyed. So I'm thumbs down. Where's my DJ? Oh, yeah. Where's my DJ? <laughs> that is the first rule well, that's of not uh, a good user experience. experience. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're. That's the first thing not we're taught good. at Digital not College. Good. Um, by the way, when it <laughs> yes. says uh, DJ, uh, I mean, it, is it more than just playlists? Is it mixing? Is it uh, sampling? Um, is it, uh, I can't think of any more cool expressions that do DJs do, but uh, does it do weather reports? No, I'm joking. But I mean, is it simply a... No, a but it, it does have, and this is, this, is, this is the weird thing. It does have a voice. Do, the new oh, feature no. includes a dynamic voice for their host. Slash DJ. That is actually oh. I hadn't read about this. Now yeah, I'm slightly worried. I'm not sure I want yeah, that. It's an acquisition they made. It was an acquisition they made. It's um it begins with letter S or so it's Sontania or something like that. So so you I was expecting I just say, Hey, what I'm in the mood for, play such and such. And I couldn't find the card and then I couldn't find how to click it on. Oh so I mean And then it just the, the voice comes up, hey, everybody, what about the weather? It stinks watch? out there. Huh? Oh, well, let's hope there's some sun next <laughs> week. Me. Right now, here's some Springsteen. Is it? I don't know what that voice was. but It's basically an AI-powered radio station. Oh, dear, no, you don't know that. Yes. Why, 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 why I think their oh, well, marketing no. is bad for this one. I love I love. Yeah, well, I think, it, it, I think it's early days. Let's see. Let's see how it develops. It'll be interesting. It might be something that they can that the uh, that the labels will like because it allows them to push new artists, etc. As well, exactly. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, like a sort of John Peel. I mean, I know it's another UK reference, but uh, John Peel was a very famous DJ in the UK, and he always pushed new artists. You know, I don't I know any of these references, Oliver. <laughs> yeah, no, it's terrible. What am I doing? Yeah, Oliver, what am I doing? Oliver, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I might as well just go and have a cup of tea. Oh no, even that's a UK reference. <laughs> Maybe I'll just have some roast beef and um, <laughs> and Yorkshire pudding. Shrimp yeah, there. listen to some Elgar. Yeah, a cucumber sandwich. Oh my goodness, they're terrible. Yeah, no, they are terrible. Something. What did you describe as cucumber sandwiches, as, Claire? You said something bland in between two pieces of something bland. This is very. Seriously, I don't like it. It's like water between. Yeah. Anyway, it's a water sandwich. So, uh, moving on, moving on. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> One last thing, then. One last lasting fa- uh, lightning fast, Bob Major, and that is, and we are going to Maureen, and it's uh, Vice. Yes. So we. Uh, so 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 Vice was just like the golden child of, uh, you know, really interesting news and entertainment and so on and it's been going for some 10 15 years 20 years now founded by shane smith this guy and 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 it attracted so many big investors from rupert murdoch liz murdoch others peter chernin i mean so much money over these years and it filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy last week week and a bit i mean just incredible for something so with so much potential, such huge sort of uh, excitement about it, loads of investment, you know, uh, to then just fade away. Blip. Uh, so let's see what happens. Um, uh, you know, it did polarise the market in terms of what was it representing? Was it really sort of Gen Z, millennials? Is it really edgy? Uh, there's a lot of advertisers who really weren't interested to put their brands next to it and so on. But nonetheless, it was out there in all markets. So, yeah, big major news item. 
Doe thumbs up? Oh, no, thumbs uh, up. This, uh, like, I can't that, remember what neutral. that emotion is. I've gone like that, like that, to neutral. neutral. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Positive neutral. Right, okay, thank you. Yours are always a bit more theatrical, uh, which I quite like. Claire, uh, over to you. Uh, I mean, this is... Uh, I'm, I'm very torn on Vice. On the one hand, there were some really interesting elements to that story. They actually, it was actually funded in the mid-'90s as a magazine brand in Canada originally. And then reinvented as a as a youth brand for for the internet, and they did that quite successfully. I think Vice News had some incredibly high quality um, investigators. They broke a lot of really big stories. They worked with they sort of were punching way above their weight in terms of the quality of the of the reporting. The management of Vice generally has not been uh, of the greatest quality, and there's been, and you know, I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said in the media. We talked about the glass cliff and putting women in charge when things go badly. Uh, Vice is a pretty good example of that. They brought in a lady called Nancy Dubuque, uh, three, well, actually, it's probably about five years ago, when it was already on slightly shaky grounds uh, to try and and this is when you say, oh, you know, all of these guys, they're just entrepreneurs and we'll bring in it, we'll bring a woman in the room to sort of calm everything down. And it was very unfair to her, I always thought, although she's still there, so she's probably doing okay. Uh, I don't know. I think there were some slightly concerning management practices. And uh, I'm not sorry to see that go. I think it's that because there were some very talented content people at lower levels in the company. So what's the emoji? I think it's a noise. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, now that's good. That's good. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that's me. Oops. Um, so that's Vice. That's yeah. the end. That's a wrap. Uh, brilliant. Gosh, we got through quite a lot there. We squeezed it all in as we always do, but we have to uh, say goodbye. Please feel free to like and subscribe. We, we're not push enough. We should say that a little bit more. Like and subscribe. Uh, and I hope we're not going to be de-platformed from Spotify because we were a bit cheeky to them. Um, I should think they probably got bigger fish to fry with their automatic DJ. What about that guy in the news? Okay, so I'll stop doing that. Um, it only remains for me to say, as usual, Claire, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Oliver. And Maureen, again, thank you so much for everything. Thank you so much, Oliver. Thank you. We will, all three of us, see you on the next one. In the meantime, hope you enjoyed what you heard. Like and subscribe. As I say, and see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.